notes. I know I'm eating up my sermon time. We'll get through it. There's some main points I want us to talk about. You know, a preacher's always challenged on, on this day and on Easter. What are you going to say that's something that, that people haven't heard before? You know, that's kind of one of the things is everybody knows the narrative of the donkey and the guy coming into town. Hopefully today what I feel the Lord's given me will be some interesting perspectives at least on both the man and the mission that uh, God has. You can see uh, already that Micah chapter 4 verse uh, 9 through 12 is in here. Micah was what's called one of the minor prophets. Just because there were major prophets, I don't know what that all means in your your story, but there were some who were used on a bigger scale and a grander scale, and they were right in the midst of it. And then there were some who were smaller prophets who were didn't have quite the audience, but they were still called to bring forth the word of God. So that's what they did. Uh, each one has a specific purpose and mission. Some of them crossed over, for example, such as Isaiah and Jeremiah and Ezekiel, those are what's called part of the major prophets. Those are big-name guys. God spoke profound things, gave them missions. For example, Jeremiah was uh, the prophet of the rebuke. He was rebuking the people. As a matter of fact, he stood against another man who came and said, hey, what Jeremiah is telling you, that's, that's a farce. It's a lie. And God ended up saying, no, no, Jeremiah is telling you the right thing. And he took Hananiah, the, all, the, the false prophet, and uh, ultimately... He, he, he was killed. He died. So then you got Ezekiel who came out and did all kinds of weird things. He, God had him doing antics, we would call them. You know, do this, cut here, lay here, do that. Hey, I'm going to take your wife and you don't grieve like her, like the world grieves. When I take your wife, I don't want you grieving because I want them to know when this happens to Israel, that this isn't going to be for them. I don't want their mourning and I don't want their professional, you know, uh, grieving. And, and so you're going to go through this, and it's going to be my comfort for you. But this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to take your wife. Wow, that's exactly what he did. What was that about? It was about telling Israel, God is serious about this, and, and no more of this false repentance. Now, I'm giving you just a, a quick go around, okay? It's a paraphrase in a lot of ways. But here's the thing. The point was, God's after his people. He wants to be their God, and he wants them to be, and they want, he wants them to declare that. And so he sends Ezekiel, and he sends Isaiah, and he sends Jeremiah. Well, in this case, one, this one happens to be Micah. Look at the, toward the end, it says, uh, Now, many nations have been assembled, verse 11, against you who say, let her be polluted, talking about Jerusalem, and let our eyes gloat over Zion. But they do not know the thoughts of the Lord, and they do not understand his purpose. Folks, with all the things and calamity going on about Israel and about Jerusalem, what I speak, and I'll preach it till God changes the the narrative, until he tells me something different, is that God is on the throne concerning his people Israel, and nothing will happen to them that he's not going to deliver them out of and use for his own glory. Get that? So all the, all the people who are, are scrambling around and causing all this, oh my, when God, when, when U.S. does this, God's going to do that. Or when we, when we don't side with Jerusalem, then this is, or Israel, then this bad thing's going to happen. No, no, I'm going to tell you whatever is going to happen is what God has already ordained will happen. But he himself says, I am her defender. I will come to your rescue, O daughter. It was my idea to bring this calamity. 
Now, if you want to know that, you can just read all of Micah. Micah starts talking about that. Some passages I'm not sharing today will go into that. But it talks about it right here. Look in verse 10. Writhe and labor to give birth, daughter of Zion, like a woman in childbirth. For now you will go out of the city, dwell in the field, and go to Babylon. Hello? That says you're going to lose your little home your security, your identity. I'm going to ship you off and somebody else is going to be your boss and they're going to lord it over you. By the way, there'll be things happening that you don't even want to know about. Talking about intermarrying, ending up with with children who, who the whole nation of Samaria is going to be established now. A kind of a half-breed people. Wow. Seriously? But I thought you love us. Yes, I love you enough that I've given you warnings and now this is what's going to happen. See, and all this is a precursor to, to what we're celebrating today, which was, it's supposedly called his triumphal entry. I don't understand exactly what people think about it was triumphal, but when you know the rest of the story, you know that come Friday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, right? So here's the thing. He says, they do not know the thoughts of the Lord and they do not understand his purpose. Let me ask you a question. You ever been humiliated or insulted? It's in your bulletin. I want you to take that and fill that later on. How did you handle it? You know what happens when I'm humiliated or insulted? I usually, something rises up in me to kind of champion my own cause. Causes me to defend myself. Causes me to become offensive. See what I mean? Anybody with me on that? We don't take it laying down? (laughs) Oh, yeah? You don't know who you're messing with. See what I mean? So, So that's in me. So... Have you ever been humiliated or insulted? How did you handle it? And anyone ever come to your defense or aid? Describe what they did that changed your situation. Think about that in your own life. See, what I love about Jesus and the narrative that we're in this whole week is that the fact that it says that he was like a lamb led to slaughter. And standing before him who Pilate says, don't you understand I have the power to let you live or die? And he says, you don't have any authority except that which my Papa in heaven has given you. Wow. And so here it goes, Matthew 21. It's the classic passage of Passover, but we got to go there. Uh, I'm sorry, of the triumphal entry in this week. When they had approached Jerusalem and had come to Bethphage and the Mount of Olives... Then Jesus sent two disciples saying to them, go into the village opposite you and immediately you will find a donkey tied there, a colt with her, uh, a colt with her, untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, you shall say the Lord has need of them and immediately he will send them. This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet, say to the daughter of Zion, behold, your king is coming to you, gentle and mounted on a donkey, even on a colt, the foal of the beast of burden. Wow. So the prophet is, has prophesied, which means God declaring ahead of time something that was going to happen. In this case, Jesus knows the prophecy, but beyond knowing the prophecy, which a lot of them would have known, see, because they had scrolls and they were reading these scrolls in synagogues. So they would have known that, but Jesus tells him, you go here and you're going to find this donkey right now, right here. It'll be tied there. You bring him to me. See, knowing the prophecy is one thing, knowing that the donkey is tied up at that moment and waiting for this and sending them there. See, that's that's significant. 
So the disciples went, verse 6, and did just as Jesus had instructed them and brought the donkey and colt and laid their coats on them and he sat on the coats. Most of the crowd spread their coats in the road and others were cutting branches from the trees and spreading them in the road. The crowds going ahead of him and those who followed were shouting, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. When he had entered Jerusalem, all the city was stirred saying, who is this? And the crowds were saying, this is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth in Galilee. Let's pray. The prophet Jesus. Hmm. Father, thank you that you revealed to us that he's more than a prophet, that he's more than a priest, that he's more than a king. He's prophet, priest, and king, and then some. Father, we pray for a fresh revelation now into your word. We ask for the anointing, God, to come, that we all might uh, really benefit from your word, which is truth, which is bread, which is light. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, Hosanna, how many you know what that means, don't you? Simply, it's two words, save now. (laughs) Save now. Probably find some more definitions, but you could say save us, but it's save now. Save us, what does that mean? People are blind who don't understand what they need saved from. Sometimes that's a problem. To be saved, you've got to realize you're lost. See what I mean? To be found, you need to recognize what your condition is. So that's one of the first things. Here's people saying, save us. Save us from what? You've heard it before, but just for those who may not have heard it, you don't remember. The idea is they were looking for a king to come and to set up the kingdom of the Jews in their day, in their midst, to restore everything that that they'd lost. Almost like Joel. He says in Joel chapter 2 there, he says, then there's coming a day when I'm going to pour out my spirit and then I'm going to bless you and you'll no longer be put to shame. They were tired of being shamed. The Romans in many cases were coming in and they were setting up their idols and they were doing things. It's like in your face. You know what that's like to have somebody insult you and humiliate you and be in your face and shouting you down and putting you down? Been there, done that. Mostly on the receiving side. How about this? This is the first point. Is, is how about the idea that you were bailed out by a, by a guy on a donkey? Huh? What a triumphal entry that is. Bailed out by a guy on a donkey. You know that, that that's not the way that they do triumphal entries. How many of you have ever been to a ticker tape parade? Anybody ever been to New York City? And how many of you have seen it, at least on TV? You, seen, you saw when they first went on the moon and they had this big, and all the confetti that dropped down. And they give heroes welcomes and they, they line the streets and they do this big grand procession. That's a triumphal entry. See, the, the, the conquerors all the way back, uh, even before David, but David was one of the mighty conquerors and they had processions and bringing these things in the spoils of war and coming before people and celebrating their success. That's the kind of triumphal entries. And with the Romans and, and, and uh, especially in that day, they were used to seeing because they'd, they'd like to ride in on their stallions and they'd love to show off their trophies and prowess and you know, the more they did, the, the bigger show they put on. And so that's really kind of the backdrop that Jesus comes riding into, but not on the white stallion. Instead, he comes riding in on this little donkey. Hmm. And people are laying their coats down before him. 
as a sign of honor. That's what they would do with general processions. But they're, so they're, they're doing it, but it's really kind of like, here we got a bunch of peasants, basically. A bunch of lowlifes who are looking for some savior. And, and the Romans, I'm going to tell you, aren't part of that crowd. So what happens is this triumphal entry, uh, it's, not, it's, it's a tradition. But see, in this case, receiving praise and adoration. What did Jesus say? In his procession, do you remember? He says, if you fail to, to cry out, the rocks will cry out. What does that tell you about the crowd that was there to welcome him in that procession? They weren't really all into that worship thing, were they? Wildly proclaiming praise. They weren't doing that. And so Jesus actually had to give a little bit of rebuke from the donkey saying, hey, if you guys don't get with the program, even the stinking rocks are going to cry out. What's the deal? Jesus followed their tradition as far as triumphal entries up to this point. But in that moment, what happened is all of a sudden he revealed his humble purpose. That's what he did. So here he comes in a triumphal procession because everybody wants their king. But he did it in a manner that nobody else would have ever done it before. He comes according to the prophecy that here was a person unlike any other who chose to bow himself, to humble himself. Well, here's, here's, here's what it says in Luke. I want you to see this. Second point is healed by a man not wanting to call attention to himself. That's what we've been done. That's what's happened. We've been healed by a man not wanting to call attention to himself. Bailed out by a man on a donkey. Healed by a man not wanting to call attention to himself. Do you like the limelight? You know what I mean? You like a little moment of glory. You like a little point getting up on the stand and being first place. Anybody like that stuff? Be honest. Come on. Yes, you do. Somebody likes it. I mean, it's part of the reason for success, for giving your work. You like recognition, pats on the back. You want, to, you want some sort of accolade for it. See what I mean? Then he got up and, I mean, come on. Everybody in the room, you want this one thing at the end of your days, don't you? When you stand before him, you want to hear, well done, my good and faithful servant. I'm telling you, you may not acknowledge it or recognize it in your life, but that's something even and especially as a Christian, we have a desire to be pleasing to God. Amen? Now, our rewards are in heaven, not here. That's important for us to keep in mind. Then he got up, left the synagogue, and entered Simon's home. This is Luke 4, 38 to 44. Now, Simon's mother, I'm just going to read it for you. His mother-in-law was suffering from a high fever, and they asked him to help her. And standing over he over her, he rebuked the fever and it left her. And she immediately got up and waited on them. That's why I pray for my wife. So she can be healed, get up, cook something. (laughs) While the sun was setting, all those who had, who had any, who were sick with various diseases, brought them to him and laying his hands on each one of them, he was healing them. Demons also were coming out of many shouting, you are the son of God. Here's the key passage. But God, but, but rebuking them, Jesus, he would not allow them to speak because they knew him to be the Christ. I'm telling you, when people thought he was a prophet, demons knew that he was the Christ. Do you get it? In the world, sometimes that's exactly what happens still today. There were people who don't know him, but the demons know him. How is it that we don't know him, but the demons do know him? Is it that we haven't made it clear and evident and obvious by our example in our own lives? So it says, when day came, Jesus left and went to a secluded place 
and the crowds were searching for him and came to him and tried to keep him from going away from them. They were hoarders. But he said to them, I must preach the kingdom of God to the other cities also, for I was sent for this purpose. Wow. That's what today the the title is, made for this purpose. He was made for this. You know, you've been made for something specific. I want to tell you, part, part of it's been fulfilled. Part of it is, is, is could happen at any given moment. But God's watching over his word concerning you to perform it. He wants to, you to succeed. He wants you to make it. He wants you to bring him glory. He's on our side. He's our intercessor. He's our conqueror. He's the one who has anointed us with his spirit. He's the one who is, who's purchased for us eternal life. He's given us access. He set the door open in heaven. Do you get all those things? That's all his work, not yours and mine. Went to secluded for this purpose. So he kept on preaching in the synagogues of Judea, healed by a man, not wanting to call attention to himself. He wasn't afraid of coming away from the crowds and getting alone with Papa, with his father in heaven. I can tell you that's not the spirit of the day. When you were a conqueror, when you did amazing feats, you would be willing to sell those things. You'd bottle it and package it, make CDs and books and all kinds of other things. Mmm, sounds like today, doesn't it? Healed my man, not wanting to call attention to himself. The next one really is, uh, uh, if Bob was here, uh, Bob did this uh, treat for us in our men's uh, breakfast a couple weeks back. He recited all the first 18 verses of John chapter 1 for us. From, uh, from memory. Now, we're talking about a guy who's 81 years old, and uh, maybe you'd say, well, he's had long enough to memorize it. I'm just going to tell you that it's pretty amazing for a guy who probably memorized it who knows how many years ago to still remember it. That's a pretty amazing thing to me. I just want to put that challenge out for you guys to memorize those first 18 verses of John. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we saw his glory. I think it's going to be up on the wall. Glory is the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. That's verse 14. 15, John testified about him and cried out, saying, This is, was he of whom I said, He who comes after me has a rank higher than I, for he existed before me. This isn't just Johnny on the spot who's coming to try to stand up and say, hey, I know you're looking for a Joshua. Hey, I know you're looking for a Moses. Hey, look, I know you're looking for a David. Hey, I know you're looking for an Abraham. I'm it. No, no. This is a guy John recognized. He existed before me. For of his fullness we have all received and grace upon grace. He hasn't done anything yet. Oh, yes, he has. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth were realized through Jesus Christ. No one has seen God at any time. The only begotten, of, begotten God who is in the bosom of the Father, he has explained him. So here's what happens, folks. When you're just reading those first, if you want to know Jesus, you want to understand faith, you want to, you want to get into this thing of who God is, I'm telling you, Jesus explains him. Jesus explains him. This is the testimony of John. When the Jews sent to him priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, Who are you? And he confessed and did not deny, but but confessed, I am not the Christ. They asked him, What then? Are you Elijah? And he said, No, I'm not. Are you the prophet? And he answered, No. 
Then they said to him, who are you so that we may give an answer to those who sent us? What do you say about yourself? And you remember John said, he says, I am a voice of one crying in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord, as Isaiah the prophet said. Now, it says in verse 24, who are those people? He says, they had been sent from the Pharisees. They asked him and said to him, why then are you baptizing if you are not the Christ, nor Elijah, nor the prophet? John answered them saying, I baptize in water, but among you stands one whom you do not know. It is he who comes after me, the thong of whose sandal I am not worthy to untie. These things took place in Bethany beyond the Jordan where John was baptizing. The next day, he saw Jesus coming to him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is he on behalf of whom I said, After me comes a man who has a higher rank than I, for he existed before me. I did not recognize him, but so that he might be manifested to Israel, I came baptizing in water. John testified, saying, I have seen the Spirit descending as a dove out of heaven, and he remained upon him. I did not recognize him, but he who sent me to baptize in water said to me, He upon whom you see the Spirit descending and remaining upon him, this is the one who baptizes in the Holy Spirit. I myself have seen and testified that this is the Son of God. How about saved by a man willing to be humiliated? Saved by a man willing to be humiliated. Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. See, today when we read that, you know what happens? We just read it as words. We miss the meaning, but the the Jewish people in their day, they would have understand that, that the Lamb, saying a Lamb, has a specific purpose. Lamb of God being one which is set apart to be sacrificed to God. This lamb will be killed and his blood will be poured out to bring some level of redemption or what's the A word I'm looking for? Atonement for atonement. That's what they understood. So it's almost like amazing that there's no dialogue goes on here. Wait a minute. Did you say lamb of God? There's no dialogue like that. Why? Because they're totally lost in it. Remember, they're thinking this guy's a prophet. They're looking for Elijah to to, to come again. Why? Because that was in the Old Testament. Well, John comes in the spirit of Elijah. See, so what happens is the people are missing it. Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the whole world. That's what they, they missed. They missed that it was going to be his death, that it was going to be his blood that was going to actually bring purification, that's going to bring a kingdom which is not of this world. That's what they missed because they were looking for worldly things. How many of us today, that's what we're still, we're, we're in a quest. We're wanting things to happen. This week we'll be buying all kinds of Easter stuff. Candies, you might wait till Saturday when they're half price. What will that be about the decorations and the, even the, the dinners and the things we do? We'll do it in the name of Jesus, but at the same time, we're going to be devoid of so many other aspects of it because we might just forego a devotion to Jesus. We might have missed it because the Lenten season is one of repentance and denial, fasting. We might already have missed those things. Fast by saving. See what I mean? Fast by not going out. Fast by reading scripture. Fast by praying. Fast by... Yes, get together with family, but don't use an occasion to to challenge each other with monopoly. 
Get together and let's dialogue about the blessings of God. See? Then here's what happened. Jesus says, this is the last point. Yep, it's the end of the page. Now, my soul has become troubled. This is John 12, 27 to 36. Jesus says this. Now, my soul has become troubled. And what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. But for this purpose, I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came out of heaven. I have both glorified it and will glorify it again. So the crowd of people who stood by and heard it were saying that it had thundered. Others were saying an angel had spoken to him. And Jesus answered and said, this voice has not come for my sake, but for your sakes. Now judgment is upon this world. Now the ruler of this world will be cast out. And if I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all men to myself. But he was saying this to indicate the kind of death by which he was going to die. The crowd then answered him, We have heard out of the law that the Christ is to remain forever. And how can you say the Son of Man must be lifted up? Who is this Son of Man? They understood he was talking about crucifixion. And Jesus said, For a little while longer the light is among you. Walk while you have the light so that darkness will not overtake you. He who walks in the darkness does not know where he goes. While you have the light, believe in the light so that you may become sons of light. You know what? Our salvation, eternity, has been purchased by us, for us, by a man who accomplished what he understood was his purpose. The very reason for which he was sent. Folks, the, the mission for all of us, very clearly, not just this week of Easter, but for our life, is that we live our life, our life in light of understanding God's purpose for us. That we're here not for our own it's not for our own successes. It's not for our own trophies. We're, we're to be his trophy. We're supposed to be a vessel of honor for his glory. We're supposed to, to give up the things in our lives that we would, would, would cause us to be stumbling blocks. And we're supposed to pursue him, being kind of like he says to the, to the disciples, when you go into those places, don't even take money belts. Don't take coats. Don't, don't worry about it. I'll take care of you. Folks, he's looking for people today who will be able to be sold out to him like that doesn't mean you have to it just means that you've got to come to a point of surrender where he might say hey you keep all that stuff i want to bless you with it. i want to bless other people through the things that i've given you to 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 bless you with but he wants to know that we'll put them on the altar that we'll offer them that we'll nail them to that tree just like he did and he said i'm doing this so that that everybody will benefit that the whole world might be saved Do you know you'll start at home and you'll do something that might just make an impact in your families? It might be the character of Christ that comes through in you. Might be husbands, might be wives, might be your children. What we need to do is we need to recognize that this is a time for a triumphal entry into what has already been paved for you and I. He's already removed the stumbling blocks. He's already made and purchased heaven itself for you. And he's handed it to you on a silver platter. That's Jesus. Let's pray. Father, help us just to do that, to live in light of your purpose for our life, to fulfill our destiny. God, we dedicated little Ava this morning, and we recognize that God before her sets out all things. And today, I wonder if this is the day when you said, woe to those who are nursing in this day. There's a day coming where, you know, I don't know, was that, yeah, that was partially fulfilled, but is it coming again where there's a day where we're not so sure this is a good thing? Wow, it's going, to be, it's going to be harder on our children. 
Lord, the world is uh, the shades. It's like the, the shades are pulled down on so many in the world that we don't see how increasingly dark it's getting. Open the eyes, God, of your people, but open the eyes of people all around to see the light of Christ. And Lord, use us this year, this week. God, help us with, uh, with uh, declaring your glory. Help us, God, that we would, as we lift Christ up, that he'll draw all men unto himself. We agree with that promise. So it's less about us. It's more about our willingness, God, to be your witnesses, to testify about Jesus. And Father, we got so many reasons to praise you, so many reasons to invite others, so many reasons to share our faith. We just acknowledge that, God, um, you're going to help us because you're for us. And we thank you that this week and coming next Sunday, we're celebrating the fulfillment of all of your promises, that you came and you did what you said you were going to do, that you fulfilled the very purpose of God. Help us, God, to fulfill our purpose in you. In Jesus' name, amen.